asking about the future. And the disciples said, tell us, when will these things be? In an article this last week, it asked this question, why do millennials and Gen Z love psychics? 22% of Americans... One in five have consulted a psychic in their lifetime. It went on and it gave statistics. The millions of have gone to various hashtags on TikTok and Instagram pursuing this. And this article went on to say the reason is people are searching for answers. There's a fear of the future, and people want guidance, but they don't believe the Bible because people are more willing to exchange uncomfortable truth for comfortable lies. And, and when you come to the Bible, there are some uncomfortable truths. And so many people are pursuing, well, I don't like what that says, so let me find out what this says. The disciples were concerned about the future. They were familiar with the Old Testament promise that looked forward to the Messiah coming, setting up his kingdom, destroying the enemies of God, um, they were excited about that, and they believed Jesus Christ was the Messiah and that he was coming to set up his reign and his rule, and they were in on the ground level, and they were looking forward to this. And it was confirmed. John the Baptist said, this is the Lamb of God, and And his miracles validated the fact that he was the Messiah. And he entered Jerusalem on Monday and they said, Hosanna, blessed is the king that comes in the name of the Lord. And everything looked like it was fitting into place. It was on schedule. And then it's like somebody hit the pause button. And it seemed like everything came to a halt. And now they're asking, when are these things going to be? And he's telling them, in just a few days, I'm going to die. And three days later, I'll be resurrected again. And he's giving them all this information. But they're saying, wait a minute. This this isn't what we thought. And so in Mark 13, he, he spells out some things that give them a rough draft of the future. And you may want to jot these things down to help you understand kind of the breakup of Mark 13. Verses 1 and 2, he's talking about the destruction of the temple. 
verses 3 through 13, he's talking about present history. And then, beginning in verse 14 through 23, he's talking about a specific time in the future, a specific time of tribulation, um, an abomination of desolation that uh, a man will enter the temple that has been rebuilt and will offer a, a pig on the altar, which is an abomination. And he says, when this takes place, you know that um, the Lord's return is near. And then verses 24 through the, the remainder of the chapter speaks of his second coming. Now, that, that's just a breakdown to help you to understand. We'll get into this more later. But he's giving a rough draft. He's giving them, this is what's going to happen. So we ask, okay, why should I trust biblical prophecy? There are many things that give prophetic statements about the future. Psychics. You heard about the man that went to the psychic and knocked on the door and the psychic said, who's there? The man said, forget that, I'm going someplace else. He should know who's there if he knows everything, right? But why should I trust the Bible? This is an ancient book. People, many religions say, we have a new revelation from God. Why should I trust the Bible? Well, we are right now celebrating the first coming of Jesus Christ. And every detail of every prophecy about Christ's first coming was fulfilled exactly as it was given. Conservatively speaking, over 300 prophecies were fulfilled in Christ's first coming. You think of that. 300 things were said, this is going to happen, and it happened exactly as it was said. There, there's, no, there's no massaging the events and say, well, it said he would be born near Bethlehem. No, it said he would be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was not a famous city then. Christ's birth has made it a famous city. That that been like saying he would be born in Sheraton, Iowa. We know about it, but nobody else around does. They don't know how to spell it even, all right? But the reality is, every detail, born of a virgin, that's impossible. But think of this, in his first coming, he fulfilled every prophecy that was given, every one of them exactly as it was given. And as you read the account of Christ's coming this Christmas season, let it be a reminder to you that hundreds of years before he came, 
it was prophesied, and he came and fulfilled every aspect of it. From the aspect of his crucifixion, that not a bone of his body would be broken, to them um, selling his garment, to every detail of it. So, every detail of every prophecy about Christ that had ever been given concerning his first coming was fulfilled exactly as given. Secondly, we trust biblical prophecy because everything that Christ prophesied happened exactly as he said. Christ came and he said in Mark 13, this temple, the disciples said, what do you think of that temple? Isn't it amazing? He said, it is amazing. But that temple is going to be cast down and not one stone is going to be left upon one another. It's going to be completely destroyed and they, they couldn't believe it. They couldn't fathom that. And in 70 A.D., that's exactly what happened. The Romans came in and destroyed the temple and tore down every stone from the temple. And when Jesus says, the rocks will cry out, the rocks of the temple were crying out, this is in fulfillment of what Christ said. Christ said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I will be crucified, and in three days I will rise again. You remember, on the resurrection morning, the angel of the Lord met them and, and said, He is not here, He is risen, what? As He said. Everything that Christ said He would do, He did. So, everything that the prophet said, Christ fulfilled. Everything that Christ prophesied, happened exactly as as he said. And so we can have confidence that everything the Bible prophesies will be fulfilled. And there are many, many things that God has prophesied in his word. We're not going to have the time to go into all of them this morning, but I, I just this morning want to quickly give you a reminder to some of you, to some of you, it, it may be new, but these are the things, and they're going to bring up here a, a timeline of biblical prophecies um, that, that have been given. And whether we can figure it out or not, whether we can um, explain it, um, Exactly in detail, God has given us a rough picture of the things that will happen so that we can have confidence in Him. And He has left many things that we don't know, and that is good. That's fine. He's God and we are not. But we read in Mark chapter 13 and verse 31, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Every, 
every little mark, the smallest mark of God's prophetic and biblical statements will be fulfilled exactly as Christ said. So, it's important for us, and you may not be able to see it all, but um, we're still trying to be able to print this off so you can have it. We've run into some problems with that. But at any rate, so we are if I can, we are in this age right now, okay? Jesus Christ came, he ascended to heaven, and when he he went to heaven, he said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. When Christ came, the Jews rejected him. The Jews are then kind of set on the sidetrack, and right now God is God is working. He's to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles, taking the gospel to everyone. This age will end in what is called the rapture. It is where Jesus Christ meets the believers in the air. They are caught up together to meet him. This is future. It hasn't happened. The dead in Christ, 1 Thessalonians 4, the dead in Christ rise first. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. We're meeting the Lord in the air. At that time, the marriage supper of the Lamb takes place. On earth, for anyone that was not a child of God, had never trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sins, they will still be alive and there will be a seven-year period of tribulation that is spelled out in Revelation chapter 6, 7, 8, 9, even up into Revelation chapter 16. The book of Revelation gives us a a rough draft of the things that are going to happen. And and there's a reason God said, blessed are those that read the book of Revelation. There's a special blessing. But in this seven-year period of tribulation, we don't have time to go into it, but many things will happen. Antichrist, a man, will rise to power. He'll have global power global authority, global government, global religion, and people will not be able to buy or sell without the permission and power of this global government, this this global ruling. He will bring a false peace. It will then end. It will be a period of wars and famines. Um, in the first set of the judgments that come, one-fourth of the population will die. This period of tribulation has, has a couple of purposes. To bring the Jews back to their Savior, to bring them back to God, and it's also God pouring out His wrath upon mankind. Mankind has rejected God. Mankind has said, we don't need you, God. Not just we don't need you, we hate you, God. And trying to wipe out any memory of God. But through this period, there will be severe 
um, tribulations. One-third of the sea will become blood. One-third of the water will be poisoned. One-third of heaven will be darkened. Demons will torment mankind. One-third will be killed in addition to the one-fourth. One-third will be killed by fire and smoke. You can read all about this in the book of Revelation. This isn't something, and if you want the places to read about it, I'd be happy to give that to you. So, there, there will be horrific consequences. But through it all, through it all, God will preserve a remnant of the Jewish people that he'll take into the millennium. But the battle of Armageddon takes place at the end of this seven-year period when Christ comes again and he, he destroys all opposition. Satan is bound for a thousand years and on this earth, For 1,000 years, righteousness will rule as back at the Garden of Eden before the fall of man into sin. At the end, Satan will be loosed. He will deceive many that lived during this 1,000 year. He will be cast into the lake of fire. Those that have rejected Christ will be judged before the white throne judgment. And God will create a new heaven and a new earth. Now, there's that's a rough draft. But I say all that to say everything that God has said will happen, will happen. As far-fetched as it may seem, He is going to fulfill everything that He said. He's not content with 95% right in prophecies. Because if you're 95% right, you're 100% wrong. And the proof of a prophet of God is they're never wrong. Because God never makes a mistake. So, he is going to fulfill everything. And honestly, we ought to look through the... We ought to look through life from these lenses. You you say, what is going on in the Middle East today? Do you want to know why everyone hates Israel? Because Israel is God's plan. And Satan says, if we can wipe Israel off the map, we can destroy God's plan. No. They will never wipe Israel off the map. How many years does the earth have? I can guarantee you, based on Scripture, there's a thousand and seven years at least left of this earth. But those seven years of tribulation are going to be something that this world has never seen. I could, and I want to go on and on in that, but we have to go to some other stuff here. Here's some takeaways. Jesus said in Mark 13, 3 through 13, he's talking about present history. And Jesus says between the first and second coming, life 
on this planet will be marked by relentless trouble. There will be deception. There will be intense persecution. And he said, that's the way it's going to be in this age right here. When Christ left, he said, verse 3 through 13, he tells you what it's going to be like. So, when I hear people say, oh, there's a sign, there's more wars than there's ever been. That's not a new sign. There's always been wars. When have you ever lived in your life when there wasn't wars? And we don't even know about the wars. He, he's, he's not giving these in verses 3 through 13 as signs. He's saying, this is the way it's going to be. It is going to be a time of relentless trouble, and we could go into it, but let me suffice it to say, it's because of sin that there's relentless trouble. Secondly, a second takeaway, God gives the overview of the future, but he does not reveal all the details. He gives us a lot of details, Revelation, Daniel, Ezekiel, other places. Mark 13, he gives us some, but he doesn't reveal it all, but he gives us everything we need to know for life and godliness. Thirdly, over over all of everything, God is in control and God is triumphant. You must rest in that. There were Before Christ came the first time, there were 400 years of silence, that people could have said, God has forgotten about us. God has written us off. But in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son. And God was in control in His first coming. He's in control in His second coming. And you must realize the fact that over all of this, God is in control And God is triumphant. And we rejoice in that. And that gives us great hope and great comfort. But a last takeaway, I'm not done with this last point, just to give you, so you're not getting ahead of here, okay? The last takeaway is, our job now is to watch. And he ended this chapter saying, What I say to you, I say to all, watch. So, how do we watch? And I'm quickly going to list six things how we are to watch. Number one, you must make sure you are a child of God. You must make sure that you have trusted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, not trusting in church membership, not trusting in good works, not trusting in baptism, not trusting anything else. The only hope of the forgiveness for my sin is Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And Jesus said many would be deceived in this because many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we did all these wonderful works in your name. In your name we cast out devils. And he will say... Depart from me, I never knew you. 
It's not that they once knew him and lost their salvation. No, they never knew him. I mean, they did some amazing things. But they never humbled themselves to call upon Jesus Christ to forgive their sins. If a person has not trusted Christ, and Christ came today in the rapture, that individual will enter into the seven-year period of tribulation. As he said in Mark 13, a time like this earth has never seen since the creation. So you must make sure you are a child of God. Secondly, expect darkness and deception. We sometimes ask, oh, wow, why is this happening? What do you expect in this world? Jesus says, in this world, there will be wars and rumors of wars and tribulation and, and sin will be reigning and rule. It, it shouldn't shock us. This isn't heaven. We are on the battleground. No one goes to war and says, why are they shooting at us? They expect it. And I think many times we as believers have sought to manage life avoiding the warfare. We were reminded this morning of the warfare that reminded the spiritual warfare with what's going on at the Capitol. It's a reminder, hey, we are in spiritual warfare. So we should expect darkness and deception. But thirdly, we must bring light to darkness. Our job is, is not to run from the darkness. Our job is to not huddle in some mountain cabin. That sounds inviting to me, mountain cabin. But our job is to bring light to darkness. God wants you to bring light to darkness where you work, in the neighborhood you live, in our communities, in our state. That's our ministry. Lord, how can I bring light to darkness? And we can only do that, fourthly, as we depend on the Spirit. This isn't, this isn't through something of us organizing, humanly speaking, it is not, Zechariah 4, 6, it is not by might, it is not by power, it is by my Spirit, says the Lord. That's why it's so important that we are dependent on the Spirit, that we seek the Spirit's empowerment. I can do nothing without Him. I need the power of God's Spirit. And fifthly, to trust the promises of God. As we trust the promises of God, first of all, you need to know the promises of God. So it, it's being a student of the Word of God and trusting His promises that He said, even though you go through a dark valley, He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said, my grace is sufficient for you even in the midst of, of persecution, he says that a cup of cold water given in his name will be rewarded. So whatever you do to the glory of God, 
it will be rewarded. Don't be discouraged that you're not seeing fruit. Don't be discouraged that people aren't noticing what you've done. Do what is right. And, and in so doing, rest in the promises of God. If God has promised it, it will be fulfilled. The first coming shows us that. Christ's life shows us that. For all these things that are yet future, He is going to fulfill it. And number six, by God's grace, endure to the end. We don't earn our salvation by enduring. We don't keep our salvation by gritting our teeth and enduring. We demonstrate our salvation by enduring. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 28, he said, My little children, abide in Him. Stay in Him. So that when He appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed at His coming. Watching is doing whatever God has called us to do, and regardless of the opposition, regardless of the conflict, regardless of how we may get discouraged, we keep on, keep on, and we allow Him to find us doing what He's called us to do. It's not stepping back and saying, Maranatha, I hope the Lord comes today and rescues me out of... We ought to be looking forward to His coming, but we ought to be as busy as we've ever been and the urgency of the hour. And He says, watch. It's not just to to look for signs. Um, In Sunday school hour this morning, we're going to... We're going to show you the difference between the rapture and the second coming. If if you're here today and you say, I don't even believe in the rapture. The rapture is not in the Bible. Well, neither is Trinity in the Bible. Do you not believe in the Trinity? I invite you to stay for Sunday school and we'll show you there is a marked difference between the rapture and the second coming. And the signs for the second coming don't apply to the rapture. But we are to be looking for His coming, and by looking, we ought to be actively bringing light to darkness, actively seeking the lost, actively doing what God has called us to do. And in so doing, we need not be ashamed when He comes. Now, in Mark 13, he, they said, when will these things happen? And he, he didn't give them when. He said, these are something that's going to happen in the near future, the destruction of the temple. These are things that are in this present age. These are things that are in the tribulation period, which you don't need to worry about if you're a child of God. But let me ask you this question. Are you ready? If the Lord were to come today, do you know for sure you're a child of God? We, we could talk all day that there's all kinds of, of pieces of the puzzle coming together, showing us that, whoa, this is, this is imminent. It can happen any time. 
But the reality is, we need to be ready. Are you a child of God? Have you trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sin? Secondly, if you have, what are you doing? Complaining about the darkness? Or are we bringing light to darkness? Are we going forth in the power of the Spirit? Are you dependent on the Spirit? Are you trusting in His promise? And are you busy doing what God's called you to do? Heavenly Father, thank You for Your design. Thank You for Your working in our lives. And most of all, thank You for the gift of Your love, Jesus Christ that we're remembering at this Christmas season. And and because of that, through faith in Jesus Christ, we can have peace about the future. We can have peace knowing that Your grace is sufficient for us. And Lord, I pray today, if there is one person here today that is not sure they're a child of Yours, Lord, I pray today they would call upon You to forgive their sins and save their soul. And then, Lord, I pray for every believer. I pray that we would be diligent students of the Word, that our lights would shine bright in every area of our life, And Lord, that by the power of Your Spirit, that we would be used of You to bring light to darkness, to bring individuals by Your grace from the condemnation of sin to the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to not be weary in well-doing, but to remember it will be worth it all when we see You. Lord, thank You that You are perfect in every prophecy You've ever made and You will fulfill every prophecy that has been given. We praise You in Jesus' name. Amen.